T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good morning. And welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you all for joining me. And joining us this morning is one of my favorites. She is the CEO of Minnie's Pantry, Cheryl Jackson. How are you doing, Cheryl? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing just fine. I know it's been a busy couple of days because this past week, the North Texas Day of Giving occurred and a lot of people were donating to lots of foundations, and I know Minnie's Food Pantry has been on the top of a lot of people's lists. Yes, and we are very grateful for that, Chris. Without the donors, we wouldn't exist because we are definitely community-funded and not government-funded. So we're grateful for the people who see the work that we do and then say, I may not come with you, but I will help you through finances. And so I'm thankful for that, my entire team. Let's talk again about how Minnie's Pantry first started. For those who are not familiar with it, the story is just phenomenal. And then let's catch up to where we are today. But talk about how it first started. Minnie's Food Pantry started because there was a season in my life where I couldn't feed my own two children. My husband and I, like most people, are working. We were working four jobs, and we could not make ends meet. And so I just decided to take it up on myself to apply for government food stamps because I said at least my kids would have a meal and the process was so horrific, but I was grateful because at least, again, my kids would have a meal when they got home from school. That's what my thoughts were. But because my husband and I worked so much, we made too much money to get the food stamps. But they handed me a brown paper bag. I was grateful for that, went home, and then when I looked in the bag, everything had expired. And my heart just dropped because I said, this is another day that I, as a parent, a mother won't be able to provide a complete meal for my children. And so life got better for me. I started, you know, working with Emmett Smith, and I, I became a red carpet host for Entertainment Tonight. And I started thinking, um, wow, you know, you know, life is good. I, I, I was reminded of when I couldn't feed my kids, but grateful because now I can. And then my father on Father's Day weekend, he passed away suddenly, and I went into a three-year depression. And I looked up at my mom, whose name was Minnie, and she said, Cheryl, you're going to die. And I didn't care. And I said, well, Mom, I just want the world to know your name because I lost Dad. You're all I have left. And I was like, but how? Then I remembered there was a time in my life where I was hungry. 
So I said, what if I started a food pantry and I fed people and I did a red carpet so they could walk a red carpet because I did the red carpet for entertainment mm-hmm. tonight. And I just said, wow, when people walk in, their head is down and they see a red carpet. And then when they walk through, they'll have their heads up and then they'll see people smiling. And my mother would always sing. So I have songs piped through every single one of our facilities. And I said, let's just create a place and a space where people can have dignity and integrity when they walk in to get something as simple as the next meal for their family. And 13 years later, we provided over 18 million meals and counting. And we're one of the largest nonprofits in North Texas. This is amazing. And I like the concept of letting people feel good about where they're going as opposed to, you know, being somewhat embarrassed about as they might think receiving a handout. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I mean, I just remember me thinking, my goodness, there has to be a better way. When I was applying for the food stamps, the baby's crying. You were just a number. And I just thought, dang, I mean, I mean. I was at my lowest point there. That's when depression set in. Everything had set in. And I said, but if I can create this place where people that need a meal can come in smiling and walk out smiling and have a healthy meal, then you know what I do know? What I do know is that when you get back up on your feet, most people will come back and repay that same thing that you did for them. And I found that to be true even here at Minis. And so we love what we do. People come in one way and they leave out a different way. Some days, you know, they come in and just say, I just need a hug. You know, and COVID has really, really changed the face of hunger mm-hmm. in the sense that when I first started, I would say hunger is just not the homeless. I would always say that. But now COVID has affected the middle class, the upper class. And so as we start having to do a complete um, new process of how we serve people via drive through we see Teslas. We never saw the cars that pulled up. Mm-hmm. Now we see the Teslas and the Mercedes and the Lexus. And, you know, people will think, wow, there's a Tesla. And my mother said, never judge. You don't know what's going yeah. through there. What's going? And you know what's crazy, Chris, is that sometimes I'll ask people, will they share their story? And when they pull over, they're like, I'm in this car, but I'm upside down. I can't sell it. So this car could possibly be my house because I'm two months behind on my house payment. And it's just real stories. And I share those stories with our volunteers so they understand what you see is not always what you see. Like I tell people, Facebook is fake book because people only share the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the people don't share what they're really going through on a day-to-day basis because they don't. They think people will shine down on them. So, yeah, we've, we've had a front row seat to what hunger looks like in the changes faces of hunger. And I've also had a front row seat of those people who used to donate that now come to me and say, I need food. And, and, and that's just, it blows my mind, Chris. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the, the, the pandemic and it changed a lot of things for a lot of people. It kind of showed who might, how many families there were out there that were actually check to check and people didn't realize that 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 situation was for them. They thought, oh, wow, they're they're doing all right. They're middle class or they're upper middle Mm -hmm. class or they've got this and they've got that. And and like you said, when you get downsized or you get furloughed and you've got Mm -hmm. a family and you're not exactly sure where that next check is coming from, it changes a lot of things. And the first thing you worry about is feeding your kids. Yeah. Chris, to your point, one of my board members who literally got the first 24-foot truck for Minis, and she was a corporate executive making, I'm sure, six figures plus, um, you know, I kept seeing her in my dreams. And I called her, and I said, hey, I said, are you okay? I looked on Facebook, looked her up, and she was saying, say a prayer for me. I'm trying to get a new job, you know. And um, when I called her, I said, are you okay? Did you get that job? And then I just hear, huh, 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 and she just began to cry. And I said, come to my office. And when she came, came to my office, she said, Cheryl, 
You know, I had six months worth of savings set up. She said, now, you know, my lights have been turned off. I'm about to lose my car. I mean, and she really, the face of hunger was a six-figure executive woman Mm -hmm. who served on my board. I mean, it hit home for me. And she shared her story. I have it on video at minifoodpantry.org so people can see it. But it was like the face of hunger has changed. And her story just impacted so many other people to basically come out and say where they really were. And, and, and we use the saying here during, especially during this pandemic, is that it's okay not to be okay. You just have to tell people you're not okay so we can see where you are and how we can help you and get you additional resources. And that's what my team has been doing really well at many. This is what's interesting because you bring this up. This is when you know, like you said, the people who are hungry that you didn't realize were hungry or all of a sudden you see on Facebook or on social media, so-and-so has set up a GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Doesn't that break your heart? Because yes. if they set up a GoFundMe, you know these people have absolutely nothing. And you also know they would never, ever want someone to know they had absolutely nothing. Right. So they had to be at their lowest point to set up a GoFundMe. I've seen it. I have seen it. I mean, even today, Chris, as I um, walked around this building, uh, I, I saw a homeless man. He's sitting in our little porch area on the side of our little store. And I pulled up to him. And, of course, if I let one person stay there, then four or five other people want to come. And then it becomes the city saying, hey, you're housing homeless. And so I pulled up to him. And I was in my car. And I said, give me a moment. I'll be right back. And um, when I look into the people's eyes, I just I see me because that was me not mm-hmm. being able to get a foot. I mean, I was living in my car at one point. And so I walked up to him and I said, um, my name is Cheryl. What's your name? His name is Luigi. And I said, what's your story? He said, it's just too long to tell. And he just put his hands in his face and he just started crying. And I said, well, first of all, Luigi, we're going to get you something to eat. And so I went inside and I got him, you know, that we have homeless bags so that some people can't, whatever you can't cook, you know, we have mm-hmm. special bags for that. And I came back out and I got a little change and gave it to him. And I just sat there for a moment. And I remember when Oprah came and she was our keynote speaker a couple of years ago, what she said to me is so, and to the whole audience, is so important if people would ask that question, just what happened? Because we know something happened to get you here. So I said, Chris, I said, Luigi, just tell me what happened. And he just began to share his story and cried. And I think that if we as humans would go back to that, what happened? Yes. How can I help somebody? What a great place this world would be now. Because that's what COVID is is changing us. It's, it's taking us into the world of the digital even more. And we forget about that human element of let look, let me look into your eyes and just know that I care. And when the man walked away, I mean, he was crying. He wanted to hug me. And I said, sure, you know, I've been vaccinated. And it just mm-hmm. he needed that. And if I could ever say anything, when you talk about better living, you live so much better, Chris, when you really step into the footsteps of what someone is really going through. Because a lot of times we say, how are you doing? And then we never even stop. And I've done this. I'm like, someone asked me how I'm doing. I'm like, I'm terrible. Just to see if they stop and go, well, what's wrong? And they keep walking. So you mm-hmm. really wouldn't even, it's just by habit we say, how are you, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the season that I hope, especially as we come into the holiday season, that I hope that people stop and really get to know their neighbors, get to know the people that they work with, and then get to know that you can make a difference and you can give someone a better life by donating a dollar, two dollars, three dollars to your favorite charity. Because you may not think that it adds up, but it does. And one dollar for Minnie's Food Pantry provides three meals. Three meals for somebody. Yeah. And so if you don't think you can make a difference, just do a dollar. Do a dollar a month and say, hey, I provide meals. So you can honestly say, I provide meals for people in our community. And that's what we're challenging people for during these holidays. We're talking with Cheryl Jackson, the founder of Minnie's Pantry. These stories are just so amazing and, and they're so uplifting and so sad at the same time. 
But I like the way you phrase it when you ask somebody who seems to be struggling, what happened? Because sometimes yeah. all they knew, all they need is someone to hear their story. And they're not mm-hmm. necessarily looking for the solution, but you might have one in your mind. At the same time, they just want to be able to tell somebody who might care. Yeah. One hundred percent. And then they feel relieved. I looked at that man when he walked away from me and he just felt like, I mean, the burden had been lifted. And, you know, he had three homeless, three back bags. And so I ran inside my store and I said, do we have any um, luggage that was rolling that I could give to him? And I found a suitcase that I happened to have brought from my house that was on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I said, here you go, sir. So he put all of his stuff of what had happened to him in that one little roller, and he walked away smiling and rolling his suitcase and waving. He had a meal, and this is because people donate to many food pantries. So I don't take it lightly, the donations. I don't take it lightly where I sit in terms of being a voice for the thousands of people who donate to many food pantry. And we're just honored, you know. When the holidays come up, Chris, you know, the Dallas Mavericks last year, we had such a phenomenal time. Can you imagine creating a place where someone is coming to get a meal, but they are on Facebook Live mm-hmm. showing people? Because we had Dino and um, uh, from uh, Emerald City Band. Is that what it is? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. em- Emerald and City. They, yep. Yeah. Emerald, and they were they had the stage and they were singing live as people. The cars we had cars four miles long, Chris. That's we awesome. had the Dallas Maverick dancers out. Sent Marshall mm-hmm. and all of the, the maniacs. Yeah, yeah, the maniacs. Yeah. And they were out um, put, dancing and we were putting food in the boxes. And it was something that's unprecedented. So we do things so much differently at Minis. It's not your ordinary place. Right. That's why we have such a wait list for people to come and volunteer. But I mean, and, and then we're getting ready for it again. And we need help because one of our main sponsors of our turkeys, who normally does 3,000 turkeys, told us they can't do it this year. Oh, and no. So if people would just, yeah. So if we could get people. Are you talking about donate, for Thanksgiving? Yes, sir. So I'm 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 a I'm two months in advance right now because our wait list for Thanksgiving we're getting ready to start signing up and in the first hour last year we had over 700 people that signed up in the first hour last year alone and so we know this year, Chris, it's going to be even more people that need meals and we did over 10,000 people the week before Thanksgiving is when our giveaway is and so if there's someone listening to me that may need food. If you keep checking minifoodpantry.org, you will see sign up is now, and you can sign up for your family to get a complete meal. And it's whatever's on my table, that's what I put on their table. It says from our table to yours. So we are very particular about us giving out a complete Thanksgiving meal, and we love to see the smiles on people's faces, and we love our community partners. And St. Marshall's already called and said, what's the Thanksgiving day? Because me and my family, we're coming, you know, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a great place. And, and you need to come too, Chris. I'm gonna oh, I will. There. You will I have will. such a good time. I will definitely come. And and the other thing, about, I love what you're doing. I want to share this with so many people because, again, there's so many people who are struggling through this pandemic or struggling through, you know, they haven't got their footing right with the economy. And there's a lot of people who never did have the opportunity to get a, a, a nine-to-five job or a regular check. Mm-hmm. And they, like I said, they feel embarrassed that they are hungry. And I love the way you have re-visioned, re-imaged the way people can reach out and the way people can work together on this thing. Right, right. And then now, like I said, we are drive-through. 
So you don't even have to get out of your car. You just drive up mm-hmm. and uh, they put the food in your car. And last week, Chris, I was outside and we had we had flowers as donated. We have some phenomenal community partners with the Walmarts and Central Markets and all these partners that donate to us. And people say, well, what's in the box? So let me just explain to you. We have a lot of staples. But what I love is just imagine if Walmart had some meat that they had frozen or whatever, and then they get a new shipment of meat in. Uh-huh. Now they get rid of the old meat. Well, most of in the past, they were throwing that away. Now they donate it to minis. We go pick it up in our refrigerated trucks, and then we freeze it, and we get it out. And so, Chris, I mean, last week we were giving away $60 steaks, and we were giving away, you know, the chickens and the mm-hmm. turkeys and the ham. And people are looking in the in the cart, and they're just like, oh, my God, this is for me. We're giving away ribs, and, you know, for the mm-hmm. holidays, we're giving away pork roasts. And, People are just so excited, and then we give all the sides. You get the canned green beans and corn and, you know, vegetables that go with it, and then you get salads. And and then, but Walmart, they started pulling their flowers when they're um, not messed up and they're putting out new flowers. Uh-huh. And so imagine you're coming to a food pantry, and someone is walking up to your car and handing you a fresh bouquet of flowers. Oh, that's so I mean, nice. People started crying, Chris, and I just looked and said, wow, I'm so grateful to be the ones that's able to touch their lives. And again, we're doing this because of the support of our community. So I'm very grateful, and the people that we help are thankful. So if you, if someone's listening and they, they support many, this, this shout-out is for you. Thank you for helping us be here for the community. Now, I know there's got to be several church groups involved because a lot of church groups try to take care of their, their, uh, their faithful, the ones that show up. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've had, well, Chris, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, since the date, the first year, has donated to us every month. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton has been there for us. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm just saying on a continual basis, every single month for over 13 years, every month. And some churches, they're off in their own, they're off in their own, and we're thankful. But if I mention one, I'm going to have to mention another one. Oh, I, I hear you. But Quite I a few, though. Elizabeth because they've been there for 13 years. When every month I go, they can't be giving us another check to help us. And that check came through like clockwork, and they never missed a month. And honestly, my parents were pastors, so I thought it would be easy to feed the hungry because churches, that's what God says for us to do, right? Feed mm-hmm. the hungry, clothe them. That's not the case, though. It's almost like when you start a nonprofit, you think all your friends are going to help you, or when you're doing something, you think your friends are going to chip in. That's not how it is. You got to do the work, and then different people. I mean, I've seen people come in that don't believe in God that give us money, just mm-hmm. like I believe in what you're doing. And so I'm surprised sometimes by the where the donations come from, and I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. And so it comes from the corporations, and it comes from the mom who had her son or her daughter do a lemonade stand. They come in and bring $27 or they bring $100 or whatever that looks like. But all that adds up when you look at every car that came from because a, a mom brought her kid in or her kids selling the Girl Scout cookies and they bring them to them. Or in this past week, the North Texas Get Up and Give Day, and people say, I've been saving my money all year, and we choose many. So wherever it comes from, we're just grateful that they continue to trust us to serve this community. And, and we're not just giving them food now. We partner with Microsoft, and now we are creating a learning lab so that people all around the world, especially kids, we have partnered with the school district. And so these kids, those that are um, not doing well in school, they can start doing courses through our learning lab, and they will be able to get uh, high school credits for what we're doing. So because we figured that we can nice. teach them, but now we need to teach them. 
And so our mini learning lab is going to be state of the art. We are working on the curriculum with different teachers and with different people in the community. And Chris, it's just blowing my mind. But we've expanded from being at one facility to now we have six facilities. We bought land in Dallas. So we're about to build right across the street from where I grew up and where my grandmother's house was. So I'm excited on Bonneville and Prosperity. We purchased the land there right on the corner got almost two acres and we'll be building there and then we're putting many food pantries inside of schools to make sure that these kids have meals um, during the day the growth is just phen- phenomenal and exponential mm-hmm. and you're talking about being grateful I think one of the greatest things that happened with you and you mentioned this a little bit earlier you had Oprah in as a keynote speaker you've got to tell the story of how you were blessed enough to meet Oprah how the whole thing happened because it's such a a phenomenal thing, and, and I think with her blessing as well, that has allowed a lot of other people to share in this thing and allow mm-hmm. more and more people and families to get fed. Well, you know, the Oprah story is really about believing. I met Oprah over 20 years ago, and in my mom's lifetime, I, I, I just had this feeling that Oprah would be the key. She would help me. And uh, so I started going to all of her Live Your Best Lives and just following her you know, her teachings, and I would call all the sponsors from her show and go, if they can sponsor Oprah, they can sponsor me because that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I would tell people, Oprah's going to come to our gala. Oprah's going to come. And everybody would laugh. And I would. You were trying to talk it into existence. I was. I didn't try. I did, Chris. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I would put out place settings at the gala, and I'd be looking out going, you know, it's an hour into it. I guess she's not coming. And my friends and everybody laughed. And I just remember my mom stroking my hair and saying, one day she'll be here. And then my mother passed away. And there I was, my dad's passed, my mom's passed, my older brother passed away, and then my younger brother almost died. And I um, remember when my mother passed, uh, Roma Downey and Mark Burnett donated $100,000. Mark Burnett, I mean, Mark Cuban brought the entire Maverick to Minnie's Food Pantry Gala. And Oprah saw me on Twitter and said, I didn't know your mom passed. I'm going to send you $100,000. And so I mentioned it at the gala, and I asked, would she come to the gala? Of course, no. So I had eight years of no. Mark Cuban came to the gala, and I mentioned Oprah gave 100000 So he goes, I'll give 101. So he you left, sure he gave did. 101. You remember that? I was up there on the stage, and when he, he, said, he sent up the check, he didn't even stay because he didn't want he people did. to know. And when he sent that check up, and I looked at that, that was the biggest check I've ever seen in my life in my own hands. That was amazing. I gave that to you, and you fell out. I did. I did. I was just so excited because I get excited over a dollar, a hundred thousand. Yeah. The crowd went crazy and he was nowhere to be seen. (laughs) And he was gone. Yeah, he was gone. gone. That's Mark Cuban. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. grateful because every time people don't know this, but Mark Cuban saved many food pantry. 2010, I wouldn't even be here, but the the roof blew off. We had no money. And Mark Cuban saved many food pantries. He donated $10,000. We were able to get more food and keep going. Without that donation, we were shutting our doors down. And what's the story? You were on TV and you said you need an angel. (laughs) I did. I did. And and the man said, smile as though Mark Cuban gave you money. And I've been emailing Mark Cuban and his office and everything, but nothing happened. I ran back to my computer and said, Mark, this is it. This man just said, smile as though you gave me money. I said, so I need your help. And I'm over there crying back on TV. And then my assistant came over and go, we just got a call. Mark Cuban's giving $10,000. And I just started crying. But he literally saved many. And then fast forward now, years, I'm talking to Oprah. And I said, Oprah, my mother died. You know, and she said, I know, I know. She goes, who are these people that you're state feeding, Cheryl? And I began to tell her about the faces of hunger. And she said, okay. And she said, I said, my brother almost died, so I haven't raised money. And we're really down on our budget. We're down $250,000 for this year. And she said, okay, I'll give you that. 
just like that. And wow. I was like, really? Yeah. And then she kept talking. And she said, so, okay, Cheryl, I'm fixing to go. Is there anything else you need? And I said, yes. I need you to come and speak at Minnie's. I've been telling people for years you're going to come. I said, and you haven't arrived. And Miss Winfrey, I'm your student. So I need the teacher to come tell the student that they've done a good job and let the world know. And she said, okay. And I just screamed and ran. I mean, this was over eight years. I was just looking yesterday at some of the no's because she would text them to me. And I was just looking at some of the no's of how she said, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm not coming. But I disbelieved. And so just like I believe now, I believe that Minnie's is here so that we can help educate people so they can get out of where they are with hunger, so they can get out where they are in the COVID situation and get better work, um, better working opportunities. And Miss Winfrey, through her coming, she raised the bar of who we were. I mean, the city shut down for Oprah. You yeah. know, we had Mark Burnett. We had Roma Downey. Mm-hmm. We had... Um, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you know, everybody was there. The, Priscilla Shire, Emmett, Patton Emmett, Tory Hunter. I mean, everybody came up. And they've been supporting all these years. And I've been telling Kevin Frazier for Entertainment Night every year. I go, Oprah's coming. She's coming. And he would laugh at me. And then one year, that year, I called him. I said, Oprah's coming. And he started laughing. I go, no, she's really coming. He goes, get out of here. And I said, no, she's really coming. And so that was the year she gave that huge Emmy speech where the world was changed by her Mm -hmm. words, you know. And so I had to wait to give the announcement because of all of that. So I had like one month really to plan. And when I called different different, uh, hotels to say I need a venue for Oprah, people laughed at me, Chris. Nobody believed They didn't want to believe it. Not not Oprah. (laughs) This can't be real. This is not real. And I mean, they were like, sure, okay, Oprah's coming. I was like, yes. And so I'm just so grateful to Miss Winfrey. Not only has she given from that part when COVID hit, she called and asked, how was I doing? And she checks on me and she said, I'm going to send you another donation, another donation. So even in the midst of us serving, you know, she will call and say, Cheryl, how, what's going on? Who are you serving? And I'm going to help you some more without me even asking. And it's because of people like that. I mean, Miss Winfrey hasn't done it all alone, but using her name sure. really helps us, you know. So I'm grateful for our community and, of course, for my dear friend and mentor, Miss Winfrey. Well, Absolutely. again, you spoke it into reality because you believed and you believed in what you're doing. And because of all this, so many more families are being fed. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on this fall? And take your time because I know – there's a lot of different things going on, and I really, really do appreciate the way you have re-envisioned on how people can get fed and not feel stigmatized by it. Well, thank you, Chris. So this fall, our biggest giveaway, of course, is a Thanksgiving giveaway, and we give away our meals a week to two weeks before Thanksgiving. I think the 20th, November 20th is our giveaway. So I'm saying this early to give people an opportunity to get their families involved. Some of the ways that they can do it is that we have placemats. So if you wanted to have your kids, you know, color placemats, because we put placemats in our Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. boxes for people. So sometimes people can't come in and volunteer, but they want their kids to understand the true meaning of what this season is about. So they can do placemats. They can adopt families. They can buy just a turkey for $15 and donate on Minnie's Food Pantry online. That Leading up to this process, this is a work in progress. When you start thinking about trying to feed 10,000 people on one particular weekend, and I mean, we not just we don't just do it here at Minnie's. I mean, we partner with Plano Independent School Districts. We partner with MISD, McKinney Independent School District. So imagine all of the counselors and different ones calling us and saying, we've got 100 kids here that's on free and reduced lunch, so we know they won't have a Thanksgiving meal. We've got 300. And so these numbers began to come in. And I mean, these are the counselors that 
don't have the funding because they don't have it from the government through the schools. And so they're reaching out, and, and it's just a human contact saying, can you help? And I just feel like this is my purpose in life is to make sure everybody around me gets fed. And so when the call comes in and it hits my desk, you know, then I just say, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it will happen. And so I become the voice. And I just I just ask God to magnify my voice that the person that can help will respond to the call. And most of the time, I've never been, um, I mean, we were in the middle of a giveaway and ran out of 300 turkeys because more people were in line. And one of the men that was there got one of my trucks and said, let's go. And they drove to all the stores. And wow. by the time before we ran out, he had bought all the turkeys. That's how it happens. And so, you know, I don't feel like this year will be any different. I think that there will be more people mm -hmm. that are in need of, of, of a meal. But I think that there's also going to be more people that say, you know, I didn't know $15 could make a difference. Let me go online and donate at least a turkey so that I know that I give. And when they do give, I always ask them to put an empty plate at the table and then explain to their family this empty plate is for the person that we fed during the holidays. So let us be grateful that we have a meal, but also know that we are giving a meal. And my dad, in his day, he was a pastor. He said, you don't give to be seen, but you should be seen giving. And that's what I say is let people see you giving what little that you have. Mm -hmm. Let somebody see it because that just really um, it just. It, it, it compiles and people say, well, if she can do it and she only had $5, then I've got 20. Let me give five or let me give 10. And that's what my call is to people is just give something to help someone else that's in need. And then the Christmas holidays, the same thing. We give out a meal and we give out um, toys. We, um, oh, Chris, we, we have five apartment complexes that every month we go and see these senior citizens, mm -hmm. 80 at this apartment complex, 60 at this one. They are alone, you know, and we take right. them meals. But during the holidays, we also give them Christmas gifts and meals. And sometimes they just ask for toilet paper as a gift. Sometimes they ask for new face rags. So it's so many um so many people, but so easy to, to do what they're asking for because they're not asking for much. These are 60s, 65, 70-year-olds that are by themselves. So people just, they'll get a card and they'll buy a new thing of rags or they'll get a card and do the whole whatever they ask. Mm -hmm. But the towels and rags is all they get for the new year from us. I mean, they don't get any new until we come and give it to them. And so there's so many easy ways that people can call us and partner and say, I want to take on this or I want to take on that, whether you're still working at home or you're working at a job. I mean, just ask your coworkers. I'm 50 bucks can, can adopt a senior citizen and get them everything that they want for Christmas and for the holidays. So I'm excited about it. I'm challenged because uh, like I said, our biggest, some of our biggest donors are saying, "Hey, times have been hard, but mm -hmm. I think that we're gonna we're gonna bring this down to just elementary, just between me and you. What will you do to make a difference?" Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I also wanted to ask you one thing before we let you go: Has the supply chain situation, which has affected so many different industries, especially with grocers, affected how you're able to get uh, food to people who need it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're being challenged every single day and uh, we just have to meet the need. And, and, and whether we just when COVID hit, we, we went from having people walk in and they were able to sit down and we used to partner with McDonald's and they would give them breakfast. I mean, Chris, it was just a beautiful thing. Music is going and how mm -hmm. can we serve you today? And now with COVID, everybody's driving through. Well, even with the food and everything, there's such a shortage because sometimes people that have, 
go get more because they're thinking, oh, we're going to run out of food or we're going to run out of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so it has been a challenge for us. We've been fortunate that in different situations, you know, other people will come to the rescue for us. But um, it, it, it's scary. It's I could I could do a documentary on it and people wouldn't understand what goes through trying to get a meal on the table of somebody in the community. There's not, a lot that's involved. Yeah, it's not like clockwork like it used to be. It used to be, like you said, before the pandemic, you had a plan and you could execute it and be prepared for this and that. And then since the pandemic, it's like stuff you hadn't even thought about occurs. Yes, absolutely. And especially with you now having to have the PPE yeah. um, with every, it's just a lot that's involved. And I just said, okay, but every day we just take it one day at a time. And we've been blessed that every day we've been able to provide for the people that we serve through the schools. We have a lot of school partners where we do, people don't know this, but we pull up and we do deliveries right at the schools. After schools, the parents come. I don't agree with the fact that kids should have food put in backpacks. A kid's backpack is for their books. It's not for their not for food. And and also when a kid has a backpack going home, you know, that has food in it, the other kids know they identify there's a kid that, you know, they Mm -hmm. can't afford the food. And so we partner with the schools and create a program where the parents can come and drive through, you know, and so nobody knows who's in that car or what's in there. And the parents are getting the food back to their tables. And and by interviewing the parents, they say that gives them dignity because they don't like their children bringing food home. Imagine a mother seeing their child waiting on their child to bring home or a father who's working, but now they're waiting on their kid to bring home a backpack for a meal. That doesn't make that father feel good at mm-hmm. all. And so we're recreating even that process and people, I mean, they're doing good, but they just don't think through the process. It's almost like going into a neighborhood and we drop off corn and, and all these people, none of them eat corn because you never stop to ask them what's best. You just saying, Hey, it's food. We began to ask and we began to execute from what we get the answers from. Very nice. Very nice. Cheryl, I don't know what we do without you. We cannot thank you enough for joining us. Give everybody the website again. And if anybody needs any more information on how to volunteer with you, partner with you, or actually come through to see you guys. Absolutely. If you go to minisfoodpantry.org, and that's spelled M-I-N-N-I-E-S, food, F-O-O-D, pantry, P-A-N-T-R-Y, dot org, you go there, everything is there. Click here to volunteer. Click here if you need help. Etc. So we look forward to hearing from all of you. And thank you again, Chris, for having me on Better Living. We really appreciate your voice in the community. And joining us now is a good friend of mine, former Dallas Cowboys great Travis Frederick. How are you doing, Travis? I'm doing great. How are you today? Trav, you know we miss you down here. You still up in Wisconsin? I am. Yeah, we uh, built a house up here and, and got all moved in, and we're, we're really settling in. Really love it up here. Well, again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us, and we do want to talk about your favorite project, and it's something you've been doing for a little while now. It's all about taking care of the kids, and it's called Blocking Out Hunger. You're trying to feed young kids who may not have a chance to have a a decent meal. Yeah, this is something that's really near and dear to my heart, and I knew that when I retired, it was something I wanted to continue to do and continue to be able to try and make an impact in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, I was so fortunate to you know, be drafted in, into that area and, and spend a lot of time down there. And it, the area's just given me so much. It was the first place that my wife and I lived after we got married. And we had two kids, three kids down there now uh, before we moved back up. And it's there's just so much connection to the area. And it's something that I want to make sure continues to happen in the future. Yeah, you when you started the, the foundation, you know, a lot of um, athletes have foundations and for different causes. 
Why was feeding kids and hunger so near and dear to your heart? Yeah, you hit it right on the head. You know, I know that a lot of athletes want to use that platform, and, and that's something that I really knew that I wanted to do going in. Um, you know, it's something I grew up with, and making sure that you're giving back to the community. Um, it was reinforced at Wisconsin when I was there. And then, you know, coming into the league, I knew that I was going to have a great opportunity. And I didn't know, you know, how generous the people in the DFW Metroplex really are until my rookie year when I got down there and I was invited to all the charity galas and just saw the awesome people there just opening up their pocketbooks and, and volunteering uh, in droves and getting to see that generosity really made me, you know, even more energized to make sure that I did something good. And so I was actually working with uh, another company that was downtown handing out meals as part of their community outreach. And it was that moment, I think, that really drove me to focus on childhood hunger because I, I wasn't sure what my what my cause would be, but I knew that I wanted to, to make a difference. And when I was handing out those meals and people were going through there and they were so excited to be, to be getting meals, they weren't excited to see me as a player. They were excited to be getting meals. And uh, when I started to see kids coming through there and it just, it just really broke my heart because, you know, there's just so many unfortunate circumstances and kids are trying to grow and develop and learn and they can't be focused at school when they're focused on where their next meal is going to be coming from. And they can't, grow and develop properly into productive, you know, people in our society and without support of, of having a good meal and, and being able to focus in school. So, you know, that's when it really hit me and said, Travis, you got to do something about this. And, and that's when we decided to start the Block and Hunger Foundation. All right. So when you started the foundation, can you talk about some of the people you might have started partnering with or some of the, the easy parts and some of the struggles? Because, you know, a lot of times when you, you have a, a nonprofit or even you know, any kind of a startup, there's always difficulties. It has no, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of money you put into it. If you have any context, sometimes there's, there's, there's challenges there. Yeah, there, there definitely are challenges. You know, it goes, uh, you know, starting from the bottom, you know, just getting things set up and making sure you get your 501c3 uh-huh. set up correctly. And I mean, because if you mess up one thing in there and that gets denied, you, you basically can't have a foundation anymore and, and people can't. Uh, make donations. So it's really important to get that stuff right. Uh, but then beyond that, it's it was difficult early to to get traction, um, you know, one from support, you know, trying to get our name out there and, and start to ramp up events to be able to um, get some more donations and make a bigger impact. Um, but two, trying to find ways to effectively um, have programs. Mm-hmm. And, and so now we we came in with the idea that our first program we wanted to do was a, a what we call Nurse to Flourish, and Nurse to Flourish is a you know kind of like your traditional backpack program where during times when kids aren't at school they can get backpacks or boxes of food provided by the foundation. And this is really important because a lot of kids that struggle with hunger are supported by the government through the USDA free and reduced breakfast and lunch program at school. Mm-hmm. And, and that works really well for distributing the food to the kids in need. However, when school's not in place, a lot of those programs are also not in place. And so kids go hungry during those breaks and they come back from the breaks hungry and they, you know, eventually can catch back up a little bit. Um, but those, that first week, you know, you're really, you're really behind. And so, you know, we started to fund programs in those times uh, to make sure that kids were getting food. And, and originally just started with 
winter break, uh, summer break, and, and spring break. And then we also added uh, Thanksgiving in there as well uh, recently. So now we have the four breaks. And um, each each program is a little bit different, um, but we try to get food out to as many kids as we can during those programs. So we knew that we, that's a that's a big logistical challenge yes. uh, to be able to find kids to be able to give those meals to um, and to be able to actually serve them. And one of the things that early on we made a decision on was you know, with a foundation, you can easily provide grants to other organizations that are also doing this. You, know, mm-hmm. you can give it to food banks or you can give it to places. And so we had an opportunity to you know, sponsor a program. And when we were looking at this, I said, you know, for us to sponsor this program, we are going to help um, by providing the funding for these kids, but this program is already in place. So these kids are already going to get their food. You know, they're just looking for, for a sponsor somewhere else. And I said, we need to go out and find kids that aren't in programs yes. that aren't getting meals right now. And the ones and that slip through them. the cracks. Exactly. And, and it happens, you know, a lot of our, uh, impact is on places where it's, it's maybe on the edge between two, uh, two cities, um, where they might be, they may have an address in one city, but the school district is in another or something uh-huh. like that. There's some, there's some very odd situations where kids get missed and it's really unfortunate. And so, you know, that was our big goal early was to go and make a difference uh, for those kids and find the kids that are slipping through the cracks and, and help them out. And so, you know, we did a lot of searching and, and things during the setup and, and started to get things going. But, you know, honestly, I think our biggest partner that I'm still thankful to have as a partner is an organization called Sharing Life. Mm-hmm. Sharing Life is a uh, it's a nonprofit organization that works as you know, both a food pantry, uh, but also um, they distribute other items, you know, good like clothing and sure. uh, other things that, that people need to live. And then also they do job training and, uh, you know, try to help people get back uh, into a stable place. You know, it's not just uh, handing things out. And they help us a lot because. For us to operate at the scale that we are, which is relatively small scale, even though I, I do feel like we're making a big difference in the grand scheme of things, it's fairly small scale when you talk about um, getting food and the logistics of shipping and things like that. And so by partnering with an agency or a, a, a group like Sharing Life, they service so many people that their uh, quantity discounts and the way that they handle logistics is significant makes the cost per meal significantly lower Got so that's it. why yeah. you know, in our uh, in our messaging we talk about how you can feed a kid for a day for two dollars or for two weeks for 25 dollars a full month for 50 dollars and people say how can you do that i can't feed my kids for that you know it doesn't make any sense um, but it's all about scale it's all about being mm-hmm. able to get things in, in larger scales and then using volunteers to help break that down and, and make it into a, a more manageable backpack or box that you can give out to a family. It's about being efficient and you were able to run the numbers and maximize your efforts. I love it, Travis. We're talking with Travis Frederick, former Dallas Cowboys All-Pro Center, who's got this foundation that's feeding a lot of children called Blocking Out Hunger. And, and Trav, when you first started this thing, you know, you're playing football at the same time. How hard was it to do both at the same time? Because I know you're passionate about both. Yeah, it, it's difficult. You know, I, I think one of the things that you learn very quickly in football or you fail, uh, but you learn very quickly and probably even in college is 
time management and mm-hmm. the ability to balance multiple things and also the ability to section off your mind, uh, be able to focus on one thing at a time. Compartmentalize. Switch. Exactly. You know, you, you got to be able to switch to something else and then switch back um, and still be uh, not have to have ramp up time between them. It makes you more efficient. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that was something I was really fortunate to be able to do. It's a skill that I've learned. So, you know, the Block and Hunger Foundation did take time and effort, um, and you had to find your time and effort to be able to put into that. Uh, but it was it was not as difficult to section off uh, from football because it's because it's so different. But you know that being said, I've had a lot of help along the way. You know that comes from the fantastic supporters of the foundation who've you know been with us since the beginning or joined along the way and have either come to events or made donations through our webpage and. Uh, you know, that makes my life a lot easier. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, my teammates that were coming to events mm-hmm. and, and helping support us and, and make those events even bigger and better. And along the way, we've also had uh, a couple of great people that have helped with the foundation management. You know, this is something that I knew from the beginning I wouldn't be able to do by myself. And uh, I've had a, some really good help uh, with people that can help with the paperwork and the taxes and all of the reporting that has to go into a a uh, 501c3, um, and really help us throw the best events and, and make the most impact as possible. You basically created a team, a team for your foundation, just the way maybe someone would make their own team if they're putting together a football team or a fantasy football team. Yeah, you're right on. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, making sure that you can delegate work and leverage your network to be able to, to do things the best, whether that's in business or mm-hmm. um, in philanthropy or, or anything like that. It, you have to know that you can't do it all yourself. And uh, that's something that I've, I've learned, you know, even though I've, I, I often try to do it all myself, uh, I probably learned the lesson best when I was playing football. You know, there's only, you have to do your job. There are 11 people on your team on the field at one time. And if one person is trying to do two people's job, they're not going to be good enough to be able to do that, and it's going to throw everything off. So you really just have to be good at focusing on your job and then finding and putting good people around you to do their job, and that makes you better, and it makes them better, and it makes the whole team better. Did you ever have a fear of failure on that side with with the foundation because you got your name attached to it and you want it to succeed, and like you said, you leverage some relationships or maybe even leverage your, your uh, notoriety to put your name behind it and you knew this is too important to you. Did you ever have a fear that it might not work out? There's, there's been two times, uh, you know, one, it was right before my first event, you know, we had just kicked off and we were going to have our first event and you don't know how that's going to work out, how many people are going to show up. If you're going to be able to cover the cost for throwing the event, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of risks that's involved there. And and you certainly don't want to be in the negatives on your first event going out there. And like you said, you leverage your name and your likeness on there. So if it's not done properly or if the wait staff is rude or something like that, you know, that's a reflection of me and uh, the other people that I've convinced uh, to come support that event. And so, you know, that there's definitely a, there was definitely a risk there and it was something I was nervous about. And then the second time was when I retired because mm-hmm. I didn't know what exactly would happen. I, like I said at the beginning, I knew that I wanted to support this and continue the foundation after retirement, but I didn't know how I would be able to do that. You know, I just, it's not the same. I can't be down there, um, you know, throwing events as much and, 
you know, it's harder for me to garner support from former teammates. And, you know, in a couple of years here, hopefully 10, 15 down the road, there won't be anybody on the team that I played with anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it makes it harder to, to get those people to come in. And, and so, you know, we went into a, a lower, uh, a lower running state for a little bit there with sure. the way that COVID was going and everything, you know, we just couldn't throw in-person events. And so we kind of dimmed things down. We've been doing our best to do social media fundraisers and do pushes and, and online things that we can get people to support us and, and maybe do a fun game or a giveaway or something to, to just make that more interesting and try and uh, continue to provide the support that, that we used to, you know, that, cause that's, what's really important here is if, if we can't, continue to raise funds the way that we used to, we're not going to be able to support the kids and we have to reduce programs. But also, like I said before, one of the things that we thought was really important and we've done is found kids that weren't being served previously. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't support them anymore, those kids go back to not having support. It's not like somebody else will come in and, and fix that. And so that's a huge risk. And that's something I'm really nervous about. I continue to this day to be nervous about, you know, what happens if we can't fund these programs anymore and, you know, these kids are that have been reliant on us um, to to be prepared for school and right. have the, the food, you know, they're going to be they're going to be out. And so, you know, we continue to try and find ways to do fundraisers, like I said, online and, and non-contact for now. But the other thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that we brought Tyler Biotish onto the board and, and he's going to continue to support us from within the team mm-hmm. and uh, garner support from our teammates. Uh, moving forward. And I'm really hoping that this is a, a step in the direction of continually having uh, an offensive lineman perhaps on the team that will continue to support us. And we just continue to add to our team at the Blocking Hunger Foundation so that we can continue to support people, uh, and specifically children, in the DFW Metroplex. I see what you're saying. You're, you're trying to make sure this thing has a has legs and it grows and it keeps growing and growing. And maybe, uh, like you said, 10 years from now, you pass the baton to another player who's on the offensive line for the Cowboys, and they're involved as well. And, and you and Tyler are still involved at different levels. Uh, you mentioned the different things that you had to do. They, they, a lot of people I've talked to with this show, they call it the pandemic pivot. They've had to be more creative to figure out how to maintain the connections uh, with their foundation to the people they need to aid, and they've had to do it in different kinds of ways. Can you talk a little bit more about when you said, oh, I suddenly have to reassess how we're going to be able to to get this thing done and and some of the creative ways that you tried and maybe succeeded or tried and it didn't quite work out? There's definitely been a few stages of this uh, for us. You know, at the beginning, one of the first things I did uh, when schools were starting to get shut down in spring break of, of 2020, mm-hmm. I said, uh, you know, this is this is crazy. Knowing that we were providing support during spring break and that kids weren't going to go back, that meant that those kids weren't going to be getting those USDA meals anymore for the rest of the year. And it was, uh, you know, to me, mind boggling. How can what what can we do? And so we kind of rallied a group of people together and and did an initial fundraiser to help uh, continue our spring break programs uh, through the rest of the year. And then um, we had to face the realization that we weren't going to be able to have in-person fundraisers anymore. And and that's really the biggest challenge, Uh, maybe even more so than, than the distribution is, is trying to find ways, creative ways to continue to raise funds and, 
in a, in a difficult environment. You mm-hmm. know, one, because you can't have in-person uh, things, but two, like the, the economy is in a different place than it was. Yeah. And it's hard. People have lost jobs and, and people that maybe were previously supporters can't afford to, to help other people right now. And they need to focus on themselves, which is very understandable, um, but it makes it harder. And so we, like I said, have kind of pared things back a little bit and done our best to reduce operating costs. Um, so hopefully, you know, more thing, more of the money is going out to make an impact. And then additionally, you know, do things like social media giveaways um, and other things to raise awareness, hopefully gain more supporters um, and potentially even at a smaller level. One of the things that we've added, uh, which I really like in the last year, is the ability to subscribe uh, to donate. So you can you can sponsor a child, you know, like I said, for oh, good. a month, yeah. you can feed a child. And so now you can do that through our website where you can say, I'm going to give $50 a month and you're, you're effectively sponsoring that child on and on. And, and we've seen those sponsorships grow and that's really helpful for us, you know, one, because you're, you're making an impact and you're, you're sponsoring that child and it kind of helps you, you know, put something with that, that dollar amount that you're giving. It's not just a one-time, one-time thing. Um, but then for us, it helps us be more sure of how to plan in the future. You know, if we have 200 kids that are counted are, you know, covered under sponsorships, you know, we can count those. And then the additional funds that we raise from other things can be used to either expand programs or, you know, do other things. And so uh, that's really helpful for us. And that's one of the things that, that we've done well um, to change. And then as far as distribution and logistics, like I said, with Sharing Life, we've gotten really lucky because they already have such a great distribution network in place, and, and they've helped us to do some different things with what we do. You know, there's they went to doing pickups instead of drop-offs or having people stay in their cars and doing like a drive-through instead of uh, traditionally they would come into the facility. Um, and so they've done some things like that, which is, you know, requires more volunteer hours. It requires more people and more touch uh, on the distribution side. And again, we've been really fortunate to be able to have that kind of support. And then beyond that, um, we have our second program that we started was called Travis's Pantries. And we have pantries in four schools throughout the Metroplex right now. And what those do is we go in there and put fresh foods and also non-perishable foods into the schools and we have somebody at the school that helps uh, liaison that. And um, kids can go in there at the end of the week and their family can go in there and do like a little shopping spree. And they can take home food that will help them through the weekend. And so, you know, what we've seen is when uh, you have hungry kids in school, they statistically do worse at school on Monday and Tuesday than they do on Thursday and Friday. And that's because they're coming from the weekend of not having any food. Um, and then going into the week. And so we can help make though that early week better and obviously make the weekend better. And then beyond that, um, you can help by providing food over the weekends. We hope that it helps reduce the financial strain on the family enough that they might be able to make a, a meal, you know, a couple of meals, maybe potentially for dinner uh, during the week as well. And so it helps more than just the weekend. It, it extends into the uh, into the week and into other parts of their lives. So we have those pantries in place, and we were very lucky that we were able to continue to operate the pantries even when the schools were closed. And so, you know, we had to do some things, like I said, with drive-through pickups and, th- and things like that. But having those mini distribution hubs on our side really helped us to help serve those children during the pandemic. People have no idea um, 
like you said, if you're able to help out anyone, the kids with any kind of a, a donation with your program, it, you're talking about how they don't succeed as well in school if they're hungry. And that's just logic, but it just shows you how any little thing can help. And oh, once again, we're talking with former Cowboys All-Pro Center, Travis Frederick. And Travis, you're a very smart guy. I'm not just saying that because I know you, but I'm just saying that because you are. And you were talking about um, the website, and you are talking about doing some things with social media. So let me pull the curtain back. Way back mm-hmm. when you when you were first drafted, you told me to graduate, you had to create an app. At the University mm-hmm. of Wisconsin, you had to come up with an app. So I know with this particular endeavor, your foundation, Blocking Out Hunger, You've probably been thinking of all kinds of ways to have an app or having a website or ways through social media that people can help out. Yeah, we we try to do our best to have a great online presence because uh, it makes it easy for people. And that's what's important is is having an easy way for people to to make an impact. Uh, you know, if you add additional hurdles in the way uh, from being able to give uh, that that doesn't help. And mm-hmm. so if there's any way that you want to give, we want to make it as easy as possible. And so we have we have our social media handles where you can find us at Blocking Hunger. And we continue to do you know, giveaways and updates. And we show people, you know, kind of what the programs look like and some of the kids that are being being assisted and, and impacted by this. Um, but then at our, our website, the blo- at BlockingHunger.org, you can go in and, and that's where you can learn more about what we do. You can find out information about where you can volunteer and you can go in and make donations, and like I said, either one-time donations or the you know sponsoring a child or subscription donations, and that just makes it really, really easy uh, to to make those differences, to to make a difference from the outside. There's even been times um, where we've created a, a Venmo where people can Venmo money yeah. um, to be part of a, a giveaway or a program like that. Any way that we can do it to make it easier for people, that's what we're trying to do. So back to this app. How did you build that app? <laughs> well, I was very fortunate. Uh, I had a great team uh, there as well. You know, we had a really good group of guys that were that were working together to make this work, and um, it ended up being an app. It, it never went out into the app store or anything like that. But we built it so that it would be sort of like a um, scavenger hunt, okay. so people could go on and, and post things. Um, and then others would go and the idea was that you had to take a picture of the same item that was, I mean, it was really fun. It was really, um, interesting to learn that process. That app was far from being able to, to be, you know, scalable or usable in the real world, but it was fun to build out and see exactly how that worked. I hope you got an A out of it. I know you passed, but did you get an A? (laughs) It sounds so intriguing. Uh, you know, I'm unsure. I don't think that that was a, uh, I don't think that was a graded class. I think it was a, a pass fail thing. Ah, okay. Uh, I can't remember exactly. It was like a, you know, capstone project type deal. And you just had to submit it and, and you know, potentially have to do some, uh, revisions and stuff on it. But I, I, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, if, if it was, I, I promise we got a decent grade. <laughs> Very good. Travis, you know, I can't let you go without, uh, letting everybody know, how you're feeling because everybody's always concerned about your health uh, just yeah. before you retired and how's family life up there in Wisconsin. And we can't thank you enough for all the things you're doing with blocking out hunger. Could you catch us up on how you're doing? Yeah. Well, thanks for checking in on that. I, I do appreciate it. You know, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm back to full, full strength and everything that I've done. And, and really honestly, 
I was back to full strength uh, before I came back and played. And um, that was really important to me that I didn't end, you know, in an injured state and didn't end, you know, being sick. That's why mm-hmm. I wanted to come back and play that another, that extra year and, uh, and, you know, sort of prove to myself that, that I could do it still. And I'm just so proud. That's probably one of my proudest moments uh, is making the pro bowl that last year, you know, knowing that I was still able to play at a high level after being out for a whole year and, and being at the point where, you know, I almost couldn't walk anymore. couldn't open with water bottles or cut a steak with a, with a knife. Um, you couldn't do those, those regular things you could do on a daily basis, but you know, I worked hard enough and, and long enough to be able to get back and, and still make the pro bowl. And, and so that was really awesome for me. So you know, I was all always, always good there. And, uh, but you know, what was most important to me in walking away was, you know, one that I was healthy and two, I got to spend more time with my family. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that's super important to me. And at the time I had two kids and now I have a, a third, we had our third in April and congratulations it's it's, thank you it's just such a wonderful life uh to be able to watch them grow and you know unfortunately when you're playing there's just a lot of times that you're not in control of your own schedule and in your own life you know there's times where you'll go multiple days and not see the kids and be long gone gone long hours and you know mom's got to take care of them all by themselves and it just uh it was a great time for me to get away and, and focus more on those things and those things that are, are super important to me. And, you know, I have no regrets from, from making the decision to retire. You know, I'm super happy with, with where we are now and being back up in Wisconsin and settled in and having space and, and being out in the open. It's just a, it's, it's a wonderful thing for us and we're doing really well. Travis, again, thanks for joining us and we will have to have you on the show again for an update. Sounds great. I appreciate your time today, Chris. All right. Thank you, Travis. And thanks to everyone for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.